Well, my name is Adam. If I haven't had a chance to meet, the first thing I get to do is tell the youngins, you are free to go. You've got your teachers in the back waiting for you. You've got a lot of stuff going on downstairs that is going to be fun. You can head on down, and we will see you in a little bit. As them youngins go, if you would just join me in praying just a breath prayer over them. Jesus, bless our kids. They are really what makes us cool here. Oh, man. Well, let me just say as a way of starting, um, I might actually drink from my coffee cup today. Not something, right? Yeah, I got my coffee cup holster, but I don't ever really actually, I forget that it's there. My voice is a little scratchy. I promise you, I ain't got the vid. I just have been, um, I've been uh, having some fun uh, this winter. I am uh, an assistant coach of a swim team, and I'm telling you, there's nothing that restores your soul like yelling at teenagers. And so yesterday we had a, we had a meet down in Hardin, and so I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit. Uh, so I promise you, I'm not contagious, except with the, the, the desire of yelling at kids. That, that could be contagious. And then this is like, you know, I don't, it's not even like, get off my lawn. Like, it's encouraging, go faster. So, um, yeah. Forgot why I was telling you that, so we're just going to get started here. Um, why don't we pray? Let's do that. Oh, Father. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would make us aware of your presence here. We pray that, that your word would come to life. We pray that we would be connected to you. That we would also be connected to each other. And I pray that, that as we see your word unfold, that it would cause us to act. And that we would together be the activity of the living God on earth as your church. So, Father, would you meet us today in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. Well, we celebrated Advent with, uh, with the series of teachings that we called Receive the Blessing. We examined the, the Christmas narrative from the angle of the blessing that, that comes from Jesus, the blessing that is Jesus, and what that birth inaugurated. We're going to continue that thread as we, as we begin a new series today that, that's going to take us all the way through the winter and celebrate all the way through those celebrations that, that are coming, the celebrations on uh, Ash Wednesday, Lent, Holy Week, all of that, all the way to Resurrection Day, that day commonly known as Easter. This will take us all the way through that time. This series is a walk through the Gospel of John. A journey through the ministry of Jesus as he prepared for the cross and prepared us for a life of ministry in his name. Our Advent series was about receiving the blessing of Jesus. And, and you might have noticed that, that we often used, as a part of that narrative, stuff that we found in the Gospel of John. And, and we see that it is so present in the Gospel, this blessing that is with us now, we're, we're going to use the Gospel of John and, and use this as, as a demonstrated experience of Jesus as God with us. Now, my hope for this series, my hope for the next several weeks, 
is that we will be introduced or reintroduced to the reality that Jesus is active in us and through us, and that this reality will, will call us into a deeper uh, action as followers of the King. So at the very least, like the low bar that, that we can set for this series is that, that it'll give us context for all of the things that we will celebrate here over the next several months together, all of the things that we, we will celebrate leading up to and including Resurrection Day. So before we, give in, before we dig in, let me give you some background on the Gospel of John. Get us on the same page, how we're also going to use it. And I would say this, it would be uh, beneficial to follow with us as a, as, just as a congregation to be reading through the Gospel of John together uh, during this time. And so if you don't have a Bible, we would love to provide you with one. So just let me know after this and we will get that, that to you. Uh, but one of the other disclaimers that, that I'll offer right up front is that this series is not going to be like other series that we've had where we've gone through books of the Bible. We're not going to go line by line through the entire book like we typically would. The, now, th- there's a good reason for that. It isn't that I don't want to. I actually really do want to. Uh, but I wanted to actually be able to finish John by Resurrection Day. And my first actual, like, the outline that I created for this series um, was 52 sermons. And, you know, so here's your choice. Either we can just, you know, meet a lot more between now and Resurrection Day. Or I could just talk a lot longer between now and Resurrection Day. Or we can just kind of modify a little bit of what we're doing. So we're not going to have 52 sermons through. Uh, So there is a good reason as to why we're doing this, but we're also, rather than going line by line, we're also going to find and follow a common thread that that is going to take us from from Advent all the way through to Resurrection Day that we find in the Gospel of John. That common narrative, that, that perspective, that common thread that we will find is the reality that God is present with us and is present in his manifest glory. Now this is a series that I need to hear, as well as a series that I've needed to hear over my walk with Jesus several times, because in this manifest glory that we see in the Gospel of John, this is how my faith is activated. Now what I mean by that is that that hearing others talk about Jesus, reading about Jesus, going to classes where I've learned about Jesus, uh, didn't make Jesus real for me. I could not receive the blessing of Jesus until Jesus was more than just a story. Until Jesus was more than just a lesson, more than just an anecdote, more than just a meme. To To be introduced to Jesus meant understanding that he isn't merely historical. He's not just anecdotal. Jesus is not, certainly not, fantasy. Jesus is not a notion or a fable that would give structure to some kind of moral code that we're trying to manipulate each other into abiding by. I needed and need Jesus to be real. I need to experience Jesus to know that I'm not chasing fairy tales. What we see in the Gospel of John is a presentation of 
the reality, the lived reality, the experienced reality of Jesus, the Jesus we're invited to experience, the Jesus that changes us and perfects us, the Jesus that allows us to be called children of the Most High God. To receive the blessing of Jesus, I needed, to be, I needed Jesus to be an experienced reality. For me, for this to move beyond religion, to be a relationship, God has to be more than an idea. And more than that, God has to be more than somebody else's idea. God can't be the idea that was given to me while some of this is passed on. It has to be real, and it has to come through experience. Now, in order to recognize that experience, though, stories are important. The narrative of of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do allows us to understand who he is and how he proves his, his faithfulness to us. The purpose of the Gospel of John is exactly that, and we know that because it says so. In months down the road, we're going to get to this passage as a part of a series, but we start with it today. John 20, verses 30 and 31. The disciples saw Jesus do many things, many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's the purpose of this book, the purpose that we unpack, given to us through the Gospel of John. Now, the Gospels, the narratives of the life of Jesus that open the New Testament, even the word gospel meaning good news, but more than meaning just good news, a gospel is good news that's found to be true. And so what we need to do is we need to find the truth of this good news. This is what the word gospel means and what it represents. Finding this good news to be true happens in a few different ways. It's vital for us to find truth in the words of Scripture to be in relationship with God. And this really is the task before us as we begin this new series together to find the good news, to find the good news true, and then after we find the good news to be true, to go and demonstrate that truth in the sphere of influence that we have beyond these walls. Now John, the author of this gospel, wrote this somewhere in the neighborhood of like 85, 95, A.D., first century, late first century. It was written by John, written by the, the apostle John, the disciple John. And I, I believe this, you know, there, there's, there are other narratives of or, or other possibilities. This is, I think, the most likely of all of the different ideas historically of, of when and who wrote the Gospel of John. If you want to talk about that more, um, that would, just not going to do it right now. But, uh, but I would love to have that conversation. Um, John, not only one of the 12 disciples, not only one of the 12, John was one that, that walked very closely to Jesus. John is one that we see as part of like an inner circle of Jesus. 
And, and why this is important is because John knows what he's writing about. John lived it, experienced it. He was right next to Jesus. We see in both Mark 5 and also in John 20 that he is a part of like of this three that, that are part of the 12, but part of a three that really know and are really with Jesus. Now this also stands up to historical inquiry in, in a manner that's readily accepted by, by historians, also in courts of law. This, this brings us to the place of eyewitness testimony. So in two ways that we can have faith in this gospel, number one, John was there and saw all of this stuff happen. We can know that to be true. John was there and saw it all. And then he told people about it. And we've got a record of the people that he told about it. John was witness to what Jesus did. He taught about it over an entire lifetime of apostleship, uh, apostleship, and he wrote about it in this gospel. An early church father named Polycarp spoke of learning all of this from the mouth of John. And so now we start to establish a link of testimony, of eyewitness testimony that holds true, because then Polycarp passes it on. Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian, Eusebius, all of these church fathers provide a link back to the events that are captured in this gospel. So with that, we have like a chain of custody, so to speak, of the testimony about Jesus. We also have the truth that goes alongside this chain of custody, that what we experience now was experienced then, and it can be experienced again. So Jesus proves the gospel with his presence with us now, and this presence is his glory. And this is what John is all about. Now, what some scholars call the, the, the problem with the fourth gospel, with John being the fourth gospel, the problem of the gospel is actually um, that common thread, the whole point of this series that we work through together. It is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these three that are called the synoptic gospels um, that, that have the same view, synoptic meaning kind of the same view of Jesus. These three work together for a purpose, and John is a little bit different. The problem is a problem that we're going to embrace. What becomes the focus of study for early church fathers, like the ones that we just mentioned, uh, is really that problem, and it's one that they embraced. We're going to embrace with them. Some critics claim that the Jesus that's presented by the synoptic gospels, those first three gospels, is his, his historical but not divine. And then John's gospel presents Jesus as divine but not necessarily historical. That's crap. Just as a side note, neither of those perspectives are true because what, what we have in the Synoptic Gospels is a presentation of, of, of the Son of God. I mean, you can't, you can't escape any of those three Gospels without that reality just smacking you in the face. We also begin John with that same point. But the difference between the Gospels really, I think, enhances how Scripture works and how we, how Scripture works through us and how it's taught to us. 
and the way that, that different audiences receive the word. John does make his presentation differently than the other three, but this reflects a purpose rather than any kind of, of, of issue that we might have with the narrative. The purpose of John is, is uh, one, one way that you'll hear it said is that John is a universal gospel. I think a better word than universal for, for this gospel is missional because this gospel is truly written for everybody. We've got the gospel of Matthew that was really written for a Jewish audience that was making the point that Jesus is the Messiah. You've got Mark that was written that was really refuting a lot of things that was coming out of the, the Roman Empire about the Messiah. Luke that was kind of written to a Greek audience. John is written really to anyone that doesn't know Jesus. John's presentation of Jesus is so clear and pointed that Jesus is God manifest in flesh, that it becomes the foundation of his writing. John writes of manifest glory about the presence of God with us, demonstrated by signs and wonders that proclaim the power and the love of God. So the purpose of this book and the theme that we're going to follow as we travel towards Resurrection Day is glory and how glory is experienced. So a good starting place is what is glory? A short answer is that it's the revelation of God's power and characteristics, sometimes accompanied by visible phenomena. Now, if you were to take a survey of several Bible dictionaries, you'll also see that, that really all of these definitions include a really important word, the word presence. In the definition of glory, we find the word presence. And so we have this revelation or this experience of God's presence that we can call glory. The glory of the Lord can be seen and felt. We've seen in Scripture, sometimes as light, sometimes as a cloud, sometimes as a clap of thunder, as a rushing wind. But also, we see God's glory come in the form of compassion, mercy, and love. So, glory is the presence of God and feeling his attributes. The secular, or the, like the classical meaning of the Greek word that the translators used for glory includes another angle which really kind of fits our purpose as well, and that angle is feltness, a new word that we're going to introduce. Feltness that we created. Um, maybe I didn't create it, but it feels like I did. Feltness. Because it speaks to, to distinction, esteem, or the, the, uh, the, the well-informed opinion that comes through feeling the weight of a person. Now, we're not talking about like weight, like on a scale weight. We're talking about how like the, the, the person has like a presence that's felt whether they're in the room or not. How it might change when they come into the room or they don't. We know this, um, we, you know, that, that this can be, both be positive and negative. 
right? Because the felt weight of a person can be seen either through like the, the oppressive horse's ass or like the, the, like the generosity or compassion that's tangible and obvious when somebody's in the room. You think about like a Mother Teresa type that would be in the room in the feltness of a Mother Teresa with her compassion and, and her closeness to, to Jesus, you, you, like tangible, almost palatable feeling. That's her glory, but also the glory of God through her. We also like glory on the negative sense. We can think about, about the people who, who are so selfish and so oppressive that we feel their, their tyranny when they're around. And so we know that that secular meaning is also apt because it's about experiencing the person of God. Which means that God's not a fairy tale. It means that God isn't an idea. It means that that God is real, that God can be felt, will be felt. And through that feltness, we will know who God is because he's going to show us his attributes. Some examples of of visible phenomena accompanying God's glory. One in Habakkuk chapter 3. Um, oh, I love Habakkuk. I know every time I tell you of Habakkuk, but I love, I love saying Habakkuk. My hope is when I do get that glorious dirt nap that one of the first people I meet is the prophet Habakkuk. I want to be known for hanging out with Habakkuk. So when, when like, folks are looking for me in, in heaven, in the new heaven and the new earth, where's Adam right now? Oh, he's out, he's out back with Habakkuk. Like, that's my goal in life is to be with Habakkuk. Anyway, what did he say? He said something important about this that fits into the sermon. Oh, examples of God's glory and visible phenomenon. Habakkuk 3, verse 4. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. In Deuteronomy 5, 24, they said, Look, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice from the heart of the fire. Today we have seen that God can speak to us humans, and yet we live. And part of, uh, of one of the assignments that, that went out in our Wednesday update, 2 Samuel 22, this, this vision of God, and, and remember the context of, of this, this was from a, a, a song of praise that David is, is singing about God, about who God is, and about how the presence of God was manifest in, in all of his troubles and in, in all of the things that were going on with him. He says, Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundation of the heavens shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm, storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mountain on, on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. A great brightness shone around him, and burning coals blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed, and they were confused. Then at the command of the Lord, at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. This, that is so freaking cool. 
That is, like, Dave, David is talking about his dad coming to the fight to fight for him. And can you imagine, that's what's coming to fight for us. And so when we are in these places of, of being alone, the felt presence of God is that, coming to fight for us. What enemy is going to stand to that? John, the Apostle John, that knew Jesus, that walked with Jesus, that was with Jesus, he takes the weight felt by the presence of God and he presents it as the reality of knowing Jesus. To know Jesus is to know the glory of God, which brings us back to where we started. The glory, the weight of the presence of God is the blessing that we receive through Jesus. Not as another person's story, but as our lived reality. A reality of mercy offered, compassion extended, and love activated that was intended from the very beginning. So let's start there. You can join me in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the, world, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. Quick, just time out here. That sounds a little historical to me. Okay. Time in. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who, was, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, has come into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They were reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Other Gospels, other of the Synoptic Gospels, begin with a genealogy, a family tree that shows the link of Jesus to Old Testament prophecies. John begins with a clear statement of the Trinity, a representation of, of God and God's plan from the beginning of time. Jesus, fully God, existed before existence, 
also presenting Jesus is the word. Presenting Jesus is the word. Further evidence that John, the disciple, that Jesus loved is writing because it's a theme that would be understood by the Jews in, in his presence, but also a meaning that would translate across cultures as this message is passed on over the centuries. The Greek word that John uses here is logos. And it starts us on the path of glory as the weighty experience of God. Logos has depth beyond just a word that means word. The Greeks use the word logos to refer to, to a person's mind, uh, their reason, or their wisdom. And here it communicates that Jesus is, as Logos, Jesus is the self-expression of God to the world that he created. Logos implies a, a total or a complete message. Not just a piece of a message or a piece of, of a word, a piece of a narrative. Logos is the complete message. So Jesus then is the total message from God to creation, the total message of God to creation, the total message that is the self-expression of God to all of us. Everything that God wants to communicate to us is communicated through the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus preexisted with the Father. He was creator of everything. He is the light of all mankind. That light that ends the darkness, that darkness that is separation between creation and creator. The word, the full embodiment, embodiment, got it on the third try, the full embodiment of the glory of God became flesh, dwelt with us, taught us, and then would serve as our path to reconciliation. And so what we, we find here is that to see Jesus is to see God. To see the glory and feel the weighty presence of Jesus is to know the presence of the living God. So, how can we extend from this eyewitness account of John through the teachings of the church fathers to something that we can experience and celebrate today? The reality comes when we notice the glory is breaking in. The weighty presence of God breaks into our lives as light. And experiencing this light is how we can know the truth of the gospel. The light speaks to us because we know and also experience a hostile dark. The dark is hostile to light and hostile to our experiencing the light. The darkness is something that we all have known, know. The darkness is the separation from God. The reality that there's a center of order in our life that is not God. This is the darkness that the light comes against. The chaos that results from pursuing the world rather than God is an example of the darkness that the the light comes to, to fight. Against this darkness comes the glory of the God Most High. 
light that puts chaos to flight. And so now as we're thinking about how do we experience this, now we can think about chaos in our life and we can think about our, that chaos ending and coming to order. Just as, as the, the creation story in Genesis 1 shows God move against the darkness of the world without form, the story captured that, that, that shows a move to create light that would expose chaos, the word become flesh is the light that moves against the life lived without order. Left to ourselves, we are at the mercy of our passions and fears. But with the glory of Jesus, with the felt weight, the felt presence of Jesus, the glory drives us to the Father's arms because he exposes us to ourselves. The light allows us to see The path that was dark is illuminated. Decisions that are wrapped in the night of uncertainty also become illuminated. With Jesus, the way out of chaos becomes clear. This extends beyond the testimony of other men into the felt reality of when we respond to the invitation of Jesus. The glory of God breaks in and the darkness cannot extinguish it. This is how we know this is how we know truth in gospel. Good news shown to be true is through experiencing the light come against the darkness. If you're hearing this message for the first time, or if you've heard this message before and you've not fully experienced this, we're starting this series today together on our walk towards Resurrection Day to see this glory unfold in the Gospel of John. But more than just a story, this can become part of your story today. We are going to turn back to worship now, but as we do, if you are hearing this invitation to the light for the first time, or if you've heard this before and you're to the place where you're ready for the chaos to be stilled, If you would like the glory of the living God to be illuminated to you, for these words to become real, would you join me in this prayer? And let's ask, let's ask for it. Jesus, I admit to you that I have tried to be the author of my own life. I have separated myself from you. I've tried to fill a void with things that are not of you. I confess that I am a sinner. Jesus, I know that you paid the price for my sin. And I believe that you are who you say you are and did what you said you did. I accept you as my God, as my Savior, 
and I invite you to be the center of my order. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.